Hey everyone, welcome to episode 245 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff. All three of us are here. And it seems odd that just a week ago today, it was Groundhog Day. And I believe Punxsutawney Phil said we were going to have six more weeks of winter. But apparently that doesn't apply to Florida as today. I'm riding with the windows down in my 1994 F-150 with no AC, thinking to myself, it would have been a good day to have the Harley working because, man, is it hot. And, like, isn't it February? Where, where, where was this six weeks of winter that were supposed to be <laughs> continuing on for us when it feels a lot more like April or May here in Florida? And It was 80-something degrees of gray. Yeah. yeah. It was way, way, way too warm for me. But anyway, I hope you're enjoying the sunshine if you are here. And, you know, I have to feel bad. I have uh, relatives in uh, from out of town and from they're actually they live in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And the temperature there, I believe it was yesterday morning, was minus seven. And the, and the high for the day was like one. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's all relative. We should be thankful for what we have. Yeah, quit complaining about hot weather. <laughs> so yeah, they're, right. they're here enjoying the week. They picked a good week to do it. So anyway, this week we jumped back into, or this was our first, excuse me, we, we finished our last sermon series, Stewarding the Gospel, and we started with Jesus Doesn't Make It Easy. And the title of the, the message was Acceptable Murder. And I really had no idea where we were headed necessarily with the message, given that title. But I assumed we weren't talking about the physical act of murder. Uh, you know, it didn't take long to confirm. I believe it was 87 verses in the Bible, if Andy's correct on his math, before Cain yeah. kills Abel. And that by the time we get to Sinai, which isn't that long, it's number six on the Big Ten list known as the commandments, the things you're not supposed to do, the things you're supposed to do. And as brutal as the physical act is to think about, that we're physical murder, the real murder that the world, and goodness, I wish I could say it wasn't, but we as Christians have allowed, and at times seemingly even embraced to become this acceptable murder. You know, early on in the message, Andy mentioned that Jesus moved the bar in our verse for the message, Matthew chapter 5, 21 through 26, and he had this to say. There can be no full satisfaction from meeting the low bar of action in either doing or not doing the overt behavior. Oh, man. So we're, <laughs> we're, we're aiming low. And if we aim low and we achieve hitting the bar, that's not enough? I mean, what are we talking not, about? Not by long. Not by long. satisfaction. <laughs> yeah. How you doing your Christian walk? I'm doing great. I hadn't murdered anybody. <laughs> <laughs> that I mean, as comical as that is, it almost lends itself to how flippant at times we can become to this because it's not one of those always overt sins because we don't even always know it's happened. We don't know somebody yeah. has, you know, maybe they're angry at us and they contempt and you, you broke that one down and, and then killing the person's reputation. I mean, a lot of this starts... Or maybe most of it happens in gossip. What do you think? Yeah, a little bit of a little bit of anger with a fast moving tongue, you can do a lot of damage. Ooh. Yeah, for sure. And I love you said Seneca called anger a brief insanity, and <laughs> and maybe maybe no truer statement ever. Because if any time you can just just right now think back to someone who said something, they did something, some situation that you've had with somebody. 
And when you first find out or you've had, and you know, for me, it's usually when I first find out, I get really angry, really fast. And then it's almost later where you kind of let that boil a little bit and you've had a chance to think about it. And for a minute, you're like, well, yeah, maybe I can see that. And then the rest of you is like, heck no, 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 no. And then it's even worse because now you've built up even more things that you can be angry about. And then you can remember something that maybe they did even before that. And then we can just find so many ways to build ourselves up. I I was fascinated with how deep we took something <laughs> that seems, again, pretty simple on, on the top, but you really start breaking that down. And these are all things, anger, contempt, and then just killing someone with gossip, just their reputation. And these three, it's hard to pull them all apart. Is there... How do we attack if, if one of these is like, well, maybe anger's my thing. And I don't really maybe see myself so much better than anyone else. Maybe just an occasional thing. And I'm not a gossip. How do we attack this? If we, or, or do we have to think of this as a whole idea to really come at this? Because are we really saying that we're not doing any of these? Honestly, I'm probably not. Well, I, I, I think you have to realize, too. That anger is, I mean, I, I hate to say it this way because all of us are prone to to act out our anger, but anger is actually just emotion like anything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so and so we have to realize that in this context of anger and then trying to destroy, we do that in both. We try to destroy somebody else and we try to destroy ourselves too. I mean, it can destroy us too. Mm, good point. So I really don't think that the emotion itself is the problem. It's us, like Andy mentioned, it's this insanity that all of a sudden we don't we don't want to bring it through a, a thought process where we start to, you know, figure out how we could actually look at it in a different way or use it to be constructive or even find conviction in it, you know. Yeah. But um but other than other than acting out or acting in Anger can just be brought through a thought process where all of a sudden I can actually be constructive with this emotion rather than just trying to destroy somebody or or myself even. Yeah, the Bible tells us to, you know, be angry and sin not. So, I mean, anger is not evil. Uh, It's how we manage it, what we do with it, and where it's directed. And and the wording wording here in the original language seems to indicate that we're talking about selfish anger. Anger that is angry because I'm not getting what I think I should have, or what I what I deserve, yeah. or what I yeah. want. Yeah. And and it's not even that burst of anger, Randy, that you know you get the news and you flare up really <laughs> fast, and then it's sort of over. The, the the word here is really that that smoldering angle, the anger that you nurture and try to keep alive, versus letting yeah. it go. So and when we let when we when we hold on to anger. Yeah, we're only damaging ourselves. It begins to eat us up, and and it, yeah. and then it gets and it can flare back up and do all kinds of damage at any moment. And so, just I think it's really uh, this is smoldering selfish anger. I didn't anger over I didn't get my way. Oh, anger over I was done wrong. Anger over you know or yeah. anger that turns into revenge or spite mm-hmm. or Ooh, um, yep. some kind kind of. Uh, vindictiveness so yeah is there a way then to you mentioned the flare-up is not the same as this and maybe for some 
you know, that the flare up and then, you know, maybe you have another flare up and you just kind of can't seem to let it go. And then it becomes this smoldering. Is there a way or is there tools out there that we can maybe learn how to just deal with that flare up anger and not let it become the other? Because I feel like a lot of times when we don't just deal with it or we're not sure you know, whatever the situation is, how somebody has hurt us or whether it was just gossip or it was something else, something worse than that. But it seems as though once that starts and you don't know what to do to stop it, to slow it down, you've tried to forgive, you've tried to pray about it, you've even maybe tried to talk to that person, it only made it worse or it didn't resolve it at all. How, how do we get to a point where we somehow contain or we move on before it gets so bad because I know there's been times in my life where the flare-up has turned into something long-standing and then at the end I didn't want to fix it because honestly it was an embarrassment I'm like oh, yeah, right. I, I, I can't believe I went that far on something so ridiculous that seemed so huge at the flare-up and now it's yeah, so Jesus, dumb yeah. I, I can't go talk to this person now I was an idiot well, Jesus, in the past, in the passage, he goes on. I didn't give it as much airtime in the sermon. I just covered about a paragraph near the end. But you know, he's, he's saying, "Hey, if if you're at church and you're sitting there, and all of a sudden you remember somebody's got something against you, get up and leave church, leave worship. You know, abandon your worship of God to go be reconciled to your brother or your sister. I like and that. Yeah. If you're, if you're dropping your offering in the offering basket." And you remember somebody's got something against you. Stop! Stop even giving your gift until you go get this thing reconciled. And 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 again, like you say, Randy, it's possible to go to go actually and talk to the person with the best of intentions of reconciliation. Um, there there probably needs to be a journey toward humility before that journey to the person of reconciliation <laughs> takes place. Yeah, I, I think I think the context of getting out of church and going. That's, you know, we have to realize that's not me going to go figure out how I can take care of the guy that's wrong to me. Uh, no. actually, it's actually <laughs> oh, the other way around. <laughs> oh, man. I had a little hope here. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, when, when, I, when I remember that somebody has something against me, not against me against me. him. Oh, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Mm. And the point, the point, obviously, is, is that. I, I can own it. I mean, I think the worst thing we can do on both sides, whether it's acting in or acting out, I think the worst thing we can do is try to push it under the rug and believe that it's not there or avoid what it what you know what it really is. Yeah. That's why I think that's so important that we actually do get up and make that assertive choice to realize that, hey, this is gonna eat me alive yeah. if if yeah. I keep this inside. Or and, not, it uh, may not, it, and, it may, or or it may not be eating me up at all. I may yeah. be over it. You know, it's like, you know, but I really well, I have to recognize now recognize that somebody else is still being very much yeah. bothered by this thing. And they're not they're not back into oneness with me. The onus God puts on his followers to go make this try, try to get this thing reconciled. Oh, right. like but the problem is, is if I don't if I don't recognize it as I'm part of it as well, right. I you won't as being a little holier than thou, yeah. a little arrogant. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I I like that part that doesn't let us off the hook. Like you said, even if it's something that is you've moved on from and you've you've figured out how to right. not leave it long and stew, but you know that someone else, because often we do know what that other person's going through, and even if you've gotten past it, 
sometimes it can feel good. I mean, and it's it's bad to say, yeah, but let them let them stew. That's you know? right. Like, well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad they're feeling yeah. that way about boiling your own juices. But <laughs> if they can't get over it, that's not my problem. And yeah. you know, and then to be not only the person who you know you've kind of figured it out for yourself, and maybe there's been a little bit of of reconciliation there between the two parties. But then to extend the olive branch and basically put yourself out there and say, I care that you are still upset. And like you said, this listening, long listening, you know, not talking, holding your tongue, being a good listener. And man, it's a good recipe that we don't often use, particularly in today's society, of showing people how much we care and how much we love them. And even if that's rough to do, I mean, think of the consequences. Think of how different, like how countercultural that is in the society that we live in, even within the church, because, mm-hmm. you know, there's no perfection there either. And that that makes a whole just kind of a whole different way to look at it. And when you talked about the contempt part of this, you had you mentioned pride of birth. You know, I'm just better than you because of my lineage or how much money and material possessions I might have or where, you know, what position I might hold in society. And and then knowledge, I'm, I'm just smarter than you. I know more. I'm educated, all those things. But you said, how dare we look with contempt on one from whom Jesus sacrificed to reconcile just like the rest of us, just like we were reconciled. And I thought that was pretty powerful to just remember when, like, you you know, maybe we're in that place. And even for us, if we can, I think we have to recognize that in ourselves first, and then we can go, oh, yeah, that was for me, and I need to extend that to them. I I thought that was just, I mean, something we know, but just in in that context, I thought that was pretty powerful, one of my favorite parts of the message. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Just the simple reminders sometimes are the best. And then we began talking then about killing a person's reputation and the William Barclay quote. I mean, I don't know. We've been on a roll with quotes lately. Uh, I think it was last (laughs) week or the week before we had three of them in the show notes. But this was William Barclay on his commentary on this text that we read in Matthew 5, 21 to 26. No punishment is too severe for the malicious talebearer or the gossip over the teacups, which murderers people's reputations. Such conduct in the most literal sense is a hell-deserving sin. Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) Wowzers! That that's uh, that's really calling it out. Well, well, it is, and and if it was that, if it was that hell-deserving of a sin in Barclay's day. When it was just over teacups and it was just a malicious story that someone told someone around a campfire or a, 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 over a drink that could today, never be viral. Yeah. T- yeah. T- today, it is even more contemptuous and uh, worthy of the fires of hell because we hide behind, we can hide behind uh, social media and of some kind and throw daggers and not have to worry about, you know, anybody hitting back because they can't reach you. Yeah. I just, I just, it's, it's just today what can happen to, I mean, in, in preparing the sermon, I did some, I did some research on stories of reputations that got ruined, you know, and it's just incredible what a vindictive person can do to a person's whole life in a matter of literally hours. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and I found you had a quote later on you, that uh, as you were talking about this, and it was actually right before <laughs> the Barclay quote. And you said, I find it fascinating that Jesus says that the one who destroys his brother's name and reputation is liable to the severest judgment of all, the fires of Gehenna. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this, and you said this Valley of Hinnom was to the southwest of Jerusalem and was the kind of public incinerator, always smoldering. It was the place where useless and evil things were destroyed. And I thought that's a that's about as good a description of where things like this should go. And uh, and just that Jesus seems to be insisting that the worst thing of all is to destroy another person's reputation or take away their good name. And yet, in you know, maybe there's maybe there's been a, or has there been a better message for the last year? I mean, people have yeah, had more no, it's time. A, it's a twenty. It's a twenty twenty message. <laughs> <laughs> you know, have we ever had more time as a society or as a globe to be on more to be keyboard warriors and to just you know fight about every little detail and call people names that don't agree with us or a litany of other ideas like this and yet as barkley points out i mean this was prevalent in their times just the methodology of how we do it has probably changed and still stayed the same i'm sure there's still people that yeah. meet over the backyard fence or over the cup of tea and and perpetuate the same evils yeah. of it's, this it's just it's, it's just easier today i think than it's ever been and, yeah. and, and, and so I think it really it behooves us, behooves, what a great word. Um, <laughs> it's in our best interest to, to, because of that, to, to go with James's counsel about, you know, being quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Oh, yeah. 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 Somewhere, I didn't write it down, but, oh, here it is. Really, how many of your instantaneous thoughts need no refinement for being <laughs> shared? That was one of my favorite lines in the whole message. I had to go back to your notes here while we were on here because I thought I, I was going to put that in my notes and I forgot. And I just thought that was like, stop and think about it, really. And you had it capitalized in your sermon notes, which I thought was brilliant. How many of your instantaneous thoughts need no refinement? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think about well, I, you know, I write I write a lot of letters and I write recommendations for people, and 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 I think about my first draft, and then my final draft, and they're they're oftentimes worlds apart. Yeah, with, with you know reordering words and sentences, and it's it's not even really a thought; it's just a it's a letter, and you, I think, oh my lands it. And you see people constantly <laughs> tweeting and texting and taking pictures of their meal and showing it to everybody in the world that what they're eating right now. It's like, who cares? I mean, um, I think we can go a step further and say, if that's true, then probably none of your reactions. So our instantaneous so reactions just, you know, don't bother. Instantaneous yeah, yeah. reactions are, are as bad as it does the instantaneous thought. Sometimes they're yeah, worse. They're, they're worse. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah no. they're worse. So they all need your. So so there's no there's no margin of error on the reaction part. No, they all need help and refinement. Yeah. Well, you know, you think about if we if if we. I, I mean, I've got I don't know how many emails that I've written, mainly for my own benefit and then thrown away. Um, you know, if if we if we would really seriously think about the effects of what we're saying and how we're saying it and the tone of voice that's coming across and what we're writing. And, and we, and we did that on the front end 
it, it might it might change the reactions as well on the other end. It's just we just yeah. have to be more thoughtful and grace filled. Well, a question yeah. that came up as just as we've been talking, I hadn't thought about this earlier, but you know, so much of this, I think, again, is just rooted in probably in our need to think more of ourselves than we ought. Number one, because I think that's where a ton of gossip comes in. And sometimes it's the easiest thing to do without even realizing that you're doing it because someone asked you an honest question that you have an answer for. And mm. maybe the basics of the story are okay to share. They've been given permission to share. But you know that the questions on the other side are always going to be trying to dig out more, specifically if someone is trying to do this to gain information to then go and share again and again and again. And I don't know why it seems so difficult. And I'm I'm asking this a, a legitimate question just to get your thoughts, because oftentimes I'll be around someone who will really relish in the gossip. Like we're going to set the whole story up. Like we can't just tell the mm -hmm. gossip. We have to give the backstory. We have to give the gossip, all of it, and then some, and then we have to give where this is going and you know what they did wrong. And uh, it's sometimes it's hard to just say, I don't want to hear this or, you know, and it's not always a place where you can just get up and leave because it's in a group and it's, you know, it can be awkward. What's the best way or what have you maybe just personally yourselves? I don't know if there's a best way, but just personally, it, when you run into someone that is gossiping and you're just like, you don't want to create a scene, but you also don't want to allow it. You don't need it for yourself. I'd, I'd personally rather not know any gossip because it just, it doesn't do anything for me. I've never liked it. And I just would rather not know and just be the person's like, oh, you didn't you hear about? I'm like, nope, I sure didn't. And I don't want to know. But just, <laughs> but just for, I mean, you guys must be exposed to this as much or more than anybody as pastors. Yeah. How do you stop somebody in the nicest way possible that you've ever well, experienced? Jeff, Jeff has a whole counseling degree. And he just, he, just, he, just, he just yells at them, stop it. <laughs> Jeff, do you use the ruler? Do you smack him on the... Well, you know, I, you know, it's interesting. Everybody's different, too, on these kind of things. Mm -hmm. I usually, because, you know, you, you, everybody's exposed. You know, one of the hardest things about churches is for some reason... People think that it's okay to gossip because we're actually, you know, we're caring, you know, right under the guys. Prayer, we're sharing, you know, <laughs> prayer requests. Yo, yeah. yes, the prayer requests. Yes, you have to have the whole story in order to pray. <laughs> and so, what? I, so, I literally have used that. I've said, "Is that prayer request confidential?" Oh man, <laughs> and uh, and I've actually <laughs> used that line. <laughs> um, oh. Because think, it is important. I, yeah, I think Jeff, sometimes sometimes people aren't doing it with conscious intent. No, you know? no. Uh, it, it's and 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 interrupting the and just saying is is that prayer request confidential? All of a sudden, just wakes them up to the fact oh, yeah. maybe I shouldn't be sharing everything I hear. You know, <laughs> yeah, um, right, yeah. Uh, just because I think so many times, I think we could avert a ton of disaster. Because I know that sometimes even if you're not in the – you're not in the conversation directly, you can be a bystander. 
and you'll hear a piece of information and you don't have context for it. You don't have and it can seem very innocuous to you as a listener or as a secondary hearer of that information. And someone says, oh, do you know? Oh, I I don't know. I, you know, I heard this, but it doesn't seem like, you know, like what could that possibly have to do with a greater picture of anything? And it just seems like if we could maybe just stop and just. I don't know, like we need a secret code word or we need, you know, something that we could all just agree, like at least church folk, come on. Like, no, we're not going to do this. So much seems like so much hurt could just be averted if we could figure out how to be better in this particular thing. Mm -hmm. But it seems so difficult at the same time. But anyway, we could probably talk about that forever and not come to one. So I would love to hear if I have a different takeaway that we're going to use today. But if you have something you use to, you know, slow down, stop, turn around, move somebody backwards on sharing information you don't really want to know, then uh, please do send that in 407-965-1607 or podcast at wholelife.church. And this week, one of our Whole Life Takeaways asked, when you were 10, what did you want to do when you grow up? How did that work out? Any vestiges of that original dream? And I thought about that one. And the reason I chose it was, And that's why I just asked you for the other, because I do want you to, if you do have some ideas of how we can be better at stopping the gossipers in their track, that would be absolutely wonderful. This one was just more fun because when you were 10, and I thought back when I was 10, and, you know, since I can remember, I always wanted to be a DJ, spinning records at like, you know, Wolfman Jack, all these different things, kind of dating myself here with actually records. For those of you who may not know, a record is this big vinyl platter that there's music on. They put it on a thing called a record player. (laughs) But anyway, long, (laughs) long story short, I was hired on a Wednesday at a radio station with a start date of the following Monday, but never worked a day at the station. Outgoing DJ decided to stay in small town Wisconsin instead of heading to Chicago and got his old job, my new job, his old job back. And that was that. So are there any things or any any parts of that dream available or still around? So I've been hosting, producing, consulting on podcasts for about seven years. So there are a few pieces of that old dream that are still alive and well. But I'm really curious. And this is something that I know, guys, we get kind of a bad rep sometimes because the wives are always like, all you want to do is talk about work. And like so much of you is attached to your jobs and, you know, what you do. And, and that's that's. You know, that's true. That's a that's a valid argument. But one of the funnest things that I like to do when I meet new people is find out, like, what did what have you done in the past as a career? Like the craziest thing that you've ever done or the your your worst job or your best job or what did you want to be in? Like, you know, you're like a total 180 degrees and gone the opposite direction. So if you'd love to share those with us, I would love to hear them. 407-965-1607 podcast at wholelife.church. And we could we could embarrass you next week. Come on, join the fun. <laughs> our, our final thoughts on this week's message are from the actual closing to Andy's message. He said, to live to Christ's new standard, there's only one chance for it to be reality. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is Christ in me that will enable my listening. It is Christ in me that will hold my tongue longer than I'd like. Oh, isn't that the truth? Hold back that post, not send that tweet, erase that text. It is Christ in me that will speak peace to the storm of my anger. And Christ in me can bring the reconciliation with my fellow human that will prevent murder at any level. That would be so awesome. 
So awesome. So <laughs> awesome. All right. So in case you thought that this was like hitting a little close to home with some of these, you know, things in our personal <laughs> life next week, it, we're continuing. Jesus still isn't making it easy next week. And from what I've heard that it was said, (laughs) (laughs) no, no, you have heard that it was said. Yeah, easy adultery will be our second installment to remind ourselves that Jesus doesn't make it easy. Ooh, Andy, yeah, great. And we're back, and we're back with uh, (laughs) full with musicians and people on the platform as part of our worship service. Still, still sitting with social distancing and our masks, but we'll have. uh, I won't be the only thing. Live. If you come to church at nine thirty or noon, that's right. You'll have uh, you'll have people to interact with. That's this week. That's the thirteenth, correct? The thirteenth. You right. better believe it. All right, yep. man. Now, for those of us who've been there, like Andy has been every, pretty much every week, and Jeff on the weeks he's had to preach or help out, he's been there too. It's been a long run of people. At you know, Wednesday's always been the big day <laughs> at church, yeah. and so there's a ton of us, and I hope you're one of those people that are looking forward to being back together and for singing and being together, I, you know, social distancing and masks, it's still not quite the same, but boy, it's a big step forward and I can't wait personally. So hope you'll join us in church. It is this Sabbath, February the 13th. And of course, next Tuesday evening, it'll be Speaking of Grace, the podcast for, that contains our message each week. And hey, Wednesday, we'll be back for episode 246, and we're going to talk about easy adultery. So, you know, and don't forget, don't, and don't forget your sweetheart because Sunday's oh, Valentine's. That's right, Sunday is Sunday's mid- Valentine's. So yep. just uh, you know, just an FYI: hashtag Valentine's Day, hashtag Amazon, hashtag Don't forget. Or you'll be in the hashtag the doghouse. <laughs> so that's going to do it for this week. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you all next week and hope to see you at church this week.